Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We've got to do a little bit of recap, because we're in week three of our sermon series on the book of Job called Life to the Bitter Soul. There's the best way to do that kind of recap, and there's a good way to do that kind of recap. The best way is actually to go to our website or to our podcast on iTunes and literally binge listen to the first two sermons of this sermon series. And, and here's what I can tell you this. Unlike when you binge watch on, say, Amazon Prime or Netflix, you won't feel gross after doing so. In fact, in fact, your soul will thank you for it. So that's the best way to recap everything that we've literally seen already in this sermon series on the book of Job. But for the purposes this morning, we're going to actually recap in a good way, very rapidly. Here's what happened so far in the book of Job. At the beginning of the book, Job was one of the rich, richest men to ever walk on the face of the earth. He had lots and lots of animals and a beautiful family, ten children. And then, in the span of maybe 15 minutes, he literally lost it all. All of his animals got carried off, and all ten of his children died, and his wife thought that his breath stunk. I love that line in the book of Job. And we asked the question in that first sermon, what happened? In very broad strokes, we said, this is what happened. A conversation in heaven happened between God and Satan, and then Job lost everything. That's what happened. In sermon number two, we, at, we watched as Job came to grips with the realities of his incredible losses. He battled the lies of his friends. And then we saw him start to accuse God. God, this is your fault. We'll see that a little bit more this morning. But then in the middle of his delirium, his spiritual delirium, he, he busted out with a phrase that we all love, with great faith, and he said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And now here today, at Job's request, God shows up in a storm. I want you to read this with me. We're going to, you can open up to page seven. Let's watch as God shows up. We won't read the whole thing again, but I do want to read verses one to seven and then the beginning of chapter 40 with you again, just to remind you of what happened. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of a storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? And God continues like this for two whole chapters. 
It's the most massive theophany, we call it. The most massive appearance of God in terms of power, in terms of word, words in the whole Bible. And this is the conclusion of it, chapter 40. Then the Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. This is the word of the Lord. Let's join in prayer together. Lord of the storm, teach us to clap our hands over our mouths in your presence, that we might see your love. Amen. Does the calm come before or after the storm? Maybe it's obvious how my mind began to answer the question because here the Lord comes, well, in a storm. So that question began to, to burn in my heart. Does the, Lord, does the calm come before the storm or does it come after the storm? And, and so I went to the right place, right? I Googled it. And an interesting thing happened. I began to type in the calm. And, and Google's got this neat feature called auto, autocomplete, and different options came up, different searches. The first, there was four, actually. One of them said, the calm, and it was completed with Drake. Apparently, the Canadian singer called Drake has a song called The Calm. I've never heard it before. There, there was also an, another option. It, there was one that said, the calm approach. You know, that's interesting that people actually go to Google to figure out how to respond to conflict. So they must put in there the, the calm approach. How can I respond to these situations calmly? But the top two autocompletes were the following. The calm that comes after the storm and the calm that comes before the storm. So my question wasn't even... Answered not even by omniscient Google, but then I began to thought, think about it in Job's case. Does the calm come before the storm? In other words, before God shows up, or does the calm come after the storm? And right away, so far in the sermon series, we've seen that we can eliminate one of those possibilities because we can actually say with great confidence that the calm does not come before the storm, does it? Because what you see in the book of Job for more than 30 chapters is that Job is getting more and more adamant. He's reaching a crescendo of accusations against God. God, why have you done this to me? In other words, his, his heart is actually getting less and less calm and more and more 
stormy until he reaches this high point. He says, oh, that I had someone to hear me. I sign my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser put his indictment in writing. So I'll put the question to you. Does that sound like a calm heart? Does that sound like a heart that is at peace with God's plans for him? Does that sound like a heart that is trusting in the providence of his good Lord? When you look at that, you can actually say that There was no calm for Job before the storm. Not at all. In fact, what you see in the book of Job is, first of all, you see Job with his endless why questions. And the endless why questions, they end up welling into complaints. And the complaints turn into anger at God. And that's how it always goes for the human being. That's how it goes for me, at least. It wasn't until recently could I, that I could begin to talk about it. Because Felicity was born. Felicity Hope. And we revealed to the congregation that the Lord had taken lives away from us in two different miscarriages my wife thought that they were boys. They never had names. They never had the opportunity to be washed and set apart in God's holy name and baptism. When something like that happens, you begin to ask questions. Why, Lord? If you're angry at me, take it out on me, but not on him. Why? And those questions, they turn into complaints, and those complaints turn into anger. And maybe I'm unique. Maybe Job's process is unique, but I don't think so. When we experience incredible loss, the next thing that happens are questions. Why, Lord? And the questions turn into complaints. And the complaints turn into into anger. That's when God shows up. That's when God shows up in a storm. And when we look at this storm that happened to Job, what we can say is that this is no normal storm. Now, Search the scriptures, search the scriptures, and what you will find is that when this same storm shows up, like when Elijah was carried into heaven, what you see is a storm so powerful that it can hold horses and chariots and then carry a man into heaven. Search the scriptures and what you find when the same storm, the same theophany, the same appearance of God happens is that the same storm shows up in the book of Ezekiel, and in this massive storm with thunder and lightning, it is carrying these massive giant creatures. 
These storms, when God shows up, so powerful. And yet, so controlled that they destroy nothing. I've lived in New York City now for, for eight years, and we have never seen a storm like this in my time here. And we have seen Hurricane Irene. And we have seen Hurricane Sandy. It wasn't the, the smartest, probably one of the stupidest moments of my life, but I decided to go out for a run in the middle of Hurricane Sandy, and I'm crossing the bridge going to Roosevelt Island. I remember the tide rising, and I remember that wind, but I was in no danger, no danger at all, of being picked up and blown away, as powerful as that storm was. We have never seen a storm like the storm that Job was experiencing. Not even close. What we have here is a storm incredibly powerful, totally controlled, and even communicative. Because out of the storm comes this voice, and here's what the voice says. The voice says, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched out a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? understand this, we have to understand something about the Supreme Court of the United States. Before a case is heard in the Supreme Court of the United States, the plaintiff must have standing. They have to be able to bring the case before the court. Now, probably the most ugly example of this is when Dred Scott brought his case to the Supreme Court, and they decided not to hear the case. Because they said, you have no standing. In other words, you're not a real person. You can't argue your rights underneath the Constitution of the United States. You know what they did? Supreme Court threw the case out. They had no standing. Now, what's happening here is a similar thing. God is saying to Job, you have no standing to bring a case against me. And he tells him why. Were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Job, do you have any wisdom that is greater than mine? Job, can you instruct me about not only how to make the earth, but how to run it. Job, tell it to the storm. If you can, I will hear your case. If you can't, then clap your hand over your mouth. And Job's response is the following. He said, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. 
We've been waiting for this to happen in Job's life. We've been waiting for him just to shut up and trust. And it doesn't happen until the Lord shows up in the storm. And Job, he gets so calm inside, he gets so humble that he demonstrates it on the outside. And he claps his hand over his mouth. You see, Job needed this. He needed the Lord to come and say to him, I have got this. Look at my massive power. Understand my wisdom. Understand that I have a plan for your life. Job needed this for the Lord to show up in sovereignty, in power, and in grace. And so for Job, the calm came after the storm. Kids need this sometimes. You know this, parents, that kids need this sometimes. That sometimes they're just so out of control, so tired kicking their feet on the ground that, you know what mom and dad need to do? They need to go into the room and say, we got this, wrap them up in their arms and and give them a hug, demonstrate their power and control, and in the middle of it, their love. You know what those kids do? They get calm. They get quiet. They understand that mom and dad, they got it. And we need to understand this too. We need this too sometimes when we're throwing our complaints and throwing our temper tantrums. We need God to come into the room and ask us a set of questions. Were you there when I created the earth? I mean, really, how smart are you? How good is your plan for your life? And do you think, do you think that I love you? Do you think that I want to prosper you? Do you think that I have a good plan for your life and that I got this? And finally, when we see God's power, we can clap our hands over our mouths and get calm. And really, isn't that the best place to be? With our hands clapped clapped over our mouths. Because when our hands are finally clapped over our mouths, we begin to ask a whole different set of questions. We'll begin to ask questions like, you know, if the storm was so powerful, then why didn't it sweep Job away? Could it be because God loved Job and considered him? And we'll begin to ask questions like, you know, if if the storm was so powerful and Job had no standing to bring the case, then why does the Lord show up? Could it be because God had a plan for Job? But we still have to go deeper with our questions and we have to ask ourselves the question in the light of Jesus Christ and His cross. We have to ask ourselves the question, why in the world now would this Lord of the storm, so powerful, so mighty, 
decide to end up in a feeding trough for you and for me. And why would the Lord of the storm, who clothes himself with clouds and thunderbolts and lightning and everything else, why would he give it all up to lay in a boat and be buffeted by the wind? Could it be because he had a plan to save you? And why would this Lord, this God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, why would, he, why would he give it all up to experience worse suffering and to save you through it? Why would he do that? Could, be, could it be because the Lord of the storm, so powerful, so mighty, loves you so deeply that he's going to guide you and direct you and plan for you to be prospered eternally. Isn't that the reason why? So here's what God's word would say to you today, brothers and sisters. This Lord of the storm, observe him and be still. And know that he is God and Savior. Amen. Please stand.